Well, we're all ready for summer, right? Not before our annual picks of the hits and misses for the political year so far. At issue, we'll have theirs coming up on Wednesday night, but tonight, it's the insiders. Jamie, Kathleen, and David promise not to be partisan in this. Let's see how they do. First up, we have the best strategic move of the year. Jamie is going to start us with this, and we'll show you a hint of what it is right here. Our plan features three years of historic involvement in the Canadian uh, investment in the Canadian economy. That growth will eliminate the Harper deficit, and we will balance the budget in 2019. Translation: deficits. A promise from a party that's looking for power and got it with a promise of deficits. They did. And that's because in that one move, Mr. Trudeau came to own change. And we had an electorate, two-thirds wanted change, one-third didn't. And with that move, he showed that uh, he was offering change from what Mr. Harper had an offer. Mr. Mulcair needed to uh, try and shore up part of uh, his campaign by promising to balance the budget. But in the end, he lost the change vote as a result. All right. Kathleen. Your best strategic move. Yeah, I've got to give it to the Alberta New Democrats and Rachel Notley for a climate leadership plan. Why? Because they did a lot of work. Six months into government, they consulted a lot of the stakeholders, industry, uh, non-governmental organization, climate activists, and Albertans, thousands and thousands of Albertans, to come up with a plan where they could actually have on stage First Nations, uh, Steve Williams from Suncor, uh, obviously uh, lots of uh, environmental activists, and the Premier herself, to go and put forth to Albertans a real climate climate change strategy and plan. And it's the first that has been done so. In fact, really, in many ways, you could say that Trudeau took that plan to some ways to Obama in March, and that, that meeting are sticking with those targets. All right, David. Those are both pretty good answers. I chose the Conservative Party's decision to delay its leadership convention until May of 2017, giving a party that badly needs to have an internal conversation about where it's going and what it's about, a chance to do that, a chance for people to emerge as potential candidates and to mature into that role, which they weren't given much of a chance to do under Mr. Harper's leadership, and probably some glimpse as to where electoral reform is going, which also is a factor one would want to consider when you're choosing a leader. Smart move on their part. All right. Well, let's flip it from best strategic move to worst strategic move. Kathleen's going to start us, but here's a hint of her choice. A few moments ago, I met with His Excellency the Governor-General, and he has agreed to my request that Parliament be dissolved. I seem so confident on that day. <laughs> well, first of all, you got to admit, and all of us would agree, I think, that it's easy to armchair quarterback from here. But I think we would all agree now that that decision to call the election early on August the 2nd, basically five to six weeks earlier than most of us would have guessed it would have started, was a really bad move. Why? For a number of reasons. It seemed like the Conservatives were prepared. They didn't really have a plan to go for that length of time. And in fact, today we even found out that the Liberals outspent them in terms of money for that election. And also it gave the other parties, particularly the Liberals, the runway they needed to take off and win. Yeah. People were amazed it was going to be a long campaign. They really thought it was going to work for them, as it turned out. Yeah, it backfired. David. Worst strategic move for me has to be uh, Tom Mulcair walking into that convention and getting a 48% uh, leadership review vote. Uh, that's something that was a bad development for the party who wouldn't have wanted that to unfold that way. It was a terrible development for him personally. All should have been entirely avoidable if one had listened to the right messages from the party on his part um, and or managed things a little bit differently. So I think that sleepwalking into that uh, convention was the worst strategic move of the year. Jamie. 
Uh, the Conservatives' decision to push the anti-Niqab issue, not only was it a disaster for them, we'd seen it flop in Quebec uh, previously, but also it, sent, it, it devastated Mr. Mulcair's support and sent 40 M Liberal MPs to Ottawa. All you uh, insiders love spin. You develop spin. You try to, uh, to, to make change by spin and getting people thinking certain ways. So what's the best spin moment of the year? Uh, we'll have David's, but uh, let's have a hint of what it is first. Your cabinet, you said, looks a lot like Canada. And I understand one of the priorities for you was to have a cabinet that was gender balanced. Why was that so important to you? Because it's 2015. <laughs> That because it's 2015. It's a killer line, and it's great spin because there's nothing self-aggrandizing about it. Ineffective spin is when you say, I'm so good because I did X or Y. This is something that says, actually, I'm just with the times. There's nothing unique or special about what I've done. It just is the appropriate thing to have done at this time. It struck everybody as immediately the right answer to that question. It put any critics of that policy uh, on the defensive and with an onus to, with the onus on them to justify why they were critics of that policy. And it became actually an answer to a million questions. It became a little bit of a meme out there. And it wasn't spur of the moment, but you thought that one through, they knew the question well, we was likely to come. we learned that from your show. Exactly. <laughs> Jamie. I think, it's, I mean, some of you might not say it's spin in the traditional sense, but I would say it was Sophie Gregoire Trudeau at the uh, press gallery dinner, you know, criticism was mounting against her, and she came out and did a performance which wowed every single person in the room and reset the odometer to what people thought of her in one performance. So I chose um, the Liberals on the refugee issue. Um, faced in December or November with breaking, which was one of the largest promises they made in the election campaign of bringing in 25,000 refugees by the end of December, realizing they weren't going to meet that target, it was a spectacular moment because um, most people would have thought that could have been catastrophic so early on to their mandate. But in fact, they were able to turn it on the heads, right, and execute incredibly well and actually make a breaking a promise somehow into a virtue. How did they do that? Well, um, great photo ops, right, of Trudeau meeting um, the refugees at the airport, hugging them with the jackets. Um, and it didn't matter that they didn't uh, meet that 25,000 uh, mark. Uh, they only met the 10. Um, and no one cared. So it was a good spin moment. All right. Well, good spin moments mean we also have to look at bad spin moments because mm -hmm. not all spin works. Uh, Jamie's pick one and it comes in the form of a tweet. It was a number of uh, forms actually by Donald Trump. But let's have a look at the, uh, uh, the tweet that Donald Trump put out right after the Orlando attacks. Appreciate the congrats for being right on radical Islamic terrorism. I don't want congrats. I want toughness and vigilance. We must be smart. Not so smart? Well, it's, it's, it's beyond comment. It's so ridiculous. I mean, you compare that to what happened in the United Kingdom when an MP was shot. What do they do? Everyone stops campaigning. What does Donald Trump do? He goes and tries to make hay out of the worst massacre and in American history. I just think it's disgusting. It's beyond bad. It's disgusting. And it started what was a terrible week for him, resulting in what we've seen today, firing his campaign manager, Kathleen. Mine was the NDP on balanced budgets. They just weren't able to spin their way out of it, no matter what argument they put forward. In fact, mine is almost the, the reverse mirror image of what uh, Jamie has chosen as his best strategic moment. I said the best worst spin was the New Democrats. Why? Because on August 25th, uh, Mulcair came out and said, we're going to balance the budget. Two days later, the Liberals had effectively cornered the New Democrats by saying that they would go deficit after deficit. And the Democrats spent nine to ten days on their heels in those 
crucial first weeks of the campaign, not being able to explain what their position was and how they were going to spend and still balance the budgets. David. Uh, Harper's uh, director of communications, Corey Kanaik, saying before the first uh, leaders debate that all Trudeau would have to do is show up with his pants on in order to outperform expectations. I don't understand what the strategic value of that was for the Harper campaign. You wouldn't have wanted to be playing down expectations for Mr. Trudeau's performance any more than they were already at. In fact, you would have wanted to be preconditioning for the fact that he likely was going to be surprisingly good relative to what the Conservatives had created expectations at with their advertising. So it seemed like the kind of thing that was gratuitously fun for a partisan to say, but gratuitously stupid for a spin master to say. And if you don't believe he said it, watch this. This is exactly the way it was. I think if he uh, comes on stage with his pants on, he'll probably exceed expectations. That was a tough one. Um, and uh, Corey, I guess we'll live forever with that, with that <laughs> quote. Okay, let's start with the most overrated political player out there and we don't have any clips to show on any of these people which they're probably happy about uh, but Kathleen who's the most overrated well I put this forward and of course everyone in public service works really hard but I, I do want to choose uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, Stéphane Dion for this position why because I think he was selected as the Foreign Affairs Minister as one of the most experienced and stable hands one of the most experienced uh, members of the cabinet to come forward but really he's had a, a lot of trouble explaining himself um, we're not clear on what the foreign policy is there's been a mismatch in terms of Canada's on the world stage but there's this the issue with the labs and the export to Saudi Arabia so I think that that he really is the most overrated right now, and there needs to be a recalibration. And you've sensed there's some tension within that cabinet mm -hmm. around some of the, the remarks he's made. Uh, David, you're uh, most overrated political player out there. Former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, for a decade considered to be a political genius and a very high-powered political strategist, and indeed over the years he did a lot of clever things and uh, was very effective a number of times. But in this election, for reasons that Kathleen and Jamie have already articulated, he called an election at terrible timing, which was dominated early on by the Duffy trial. And I think we can all remember how gruesome that was politically uh, for them to have on there. was long enough for uh, Mr. Trudeau to find his legs and indeed build momentum and the issue set that they chose to run on had no broad appeal and was a barely of interest to their own base. So I think everything about that campaign was wrong-headed in conception and I think that, that falls on his feet. Jamie. You know, I, I don't like kicking people when they're down, but I, I have to give it to Mr. Mulcair. He was supposed to be the pragmatic leader that would lead uh, the Democrats to power. Uh, aside from having some good uh, days in the House of Commons, he just wasn't able to put it together on the campaign trail. And at the end of the day, that's a leader's job. All right. If you don't want to kick people when they're down, let's do the last one. <laughs> I, I, I'm pumping up people who are underrated. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kathleen, you start. Who's the most underrated of them? Ronna Ambrose. Uh, she's, uh, you know, really being an interim leader is a lame duck role to begin with. You've kind of got one arm tied behind your back to begin with. But the confidence that she has uh, brought to that role and the ability that she can change the message track, just alter it slightly, but still be incredibly politically useful to a party. It's actually pretty amazing. Why some people think they should change the rules mm -hmm. and let her run. We'll see what happens in that next year. David. Yeah, underrated. she's been terrific. Another person who's been terrific is Premier Rachel Notley uh, in Alberta, who's gone through a year that would test the most seasoned political leader, the collapse of the major industry uh, in, uh, in that province, one of the worst natural disasters in the history of the country, all for a government uh, that that 
province has no history with and no reason to feel comfortable with. She's taken some hit in public opinion terms, but she remains a very viable candidate to be re-elected as Premier uh, in the next election after one of the toughest tests in the first year that you could imagine. You get a quick last word, Jamie. Quick last word. Of course, the easy answer is Justin Trudeau, but I actually give it to Jerry Butts and Katie Telford, two of Mr. Trudeau's top advisors. They ran a campaign that at the beginning a lot of people didn't have a lot of confidence in. They stuck with their plan despite widespread criticism, and they brought the big prize home. So to me, they're the ones. All right. Thank you all. We've worked through a lot of stuff there in a short period of time. Appreciate it.